tell me about having McDonald's with Usain Bolt. Welcome to today's Woodpecker Podcast with Charles and Joe. Without further ado, <laughs> I'm more than excited to welcome my close friend and Olympian, shall I add in there, Commonwealth medalist, no doubt. And as we've discussed prior to this, global traveller just playing rugby, Amy Wilson Hardy. And he I am watch and doesn't have clean clothes. <laughs> And uh, producer Joe, no doubt, the other end of the mic for me, doing all the techie stuff. Joe, that is a nice hoodie. Where did you get that from, mate? Oh, I don't know, some some woodpecker or something? I can't. Right, yeah, something that's not the plug I wanted, is it? Cool <laughs> 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 in a minute. But Amy, rough and ready, straight off a rugby pitch. What is it like to be classed as an elite <laughs> athlete during COVID? Because you're lucky right now. Mm. I am. I'm extremely lucky. I've been. Um, I feel like we've been on a bit of a roller coaster in the sporting world, as as has everyone. So, not making any complaints. But I'm now in the fortunate position that I'm still able to get out there, as you can see from being straight off the field. Um, so, I feel mainly very privileged just to be able to see my friends um, and do what I love still, while everyone else is having to um, stay inside. Obviously, we still have to be really strict and. We're um, just about to start our rigorous testing regime so we can keep playing. Um, and training is not quite the same as normal. We're socially distanced and have to hand sanitise every five minutes. But it means that I can do what I love. And as I said, see my friends three times a week. So no complaints coming from this end. I mean, if you wanted to play a contact sport without rucks and walls, you could have just played rugby league. <laughs> True. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> plug. <laughs> Coming from a yeah. league at heart. Yeah, they're a bit soft in league, right? Yeah, that's exactly oh, what it is. Well, the beef has started, and I'm all here for it. <laughs> Joe, the, the reason I bring something like that up um, is the first time I met Amy was about, I'm going to say it was May May thirtieth, two thousand and nine. It was, uh, it was obviously an extremely uh, uh, memorable day. It must have been good, yeah. <laughs> well, well. The, the reason I know the date is uh, there was a big incident in my life about two, three days before that. Me and uh, my close friend Ewan had just found out what was going on. And we, we turned up at this party, met Amy. You know, Amy was giving it the big one. I play rugby, this and that. Like, Come on then. Definitely like, don't. I don't tell anyone I play rugby. <laughs> <laughs> if you fancy your chances, like, just run a hard line at me and vice versa. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I didn't come off the best out of it all. I think you did better than Ewan did, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so Ewan got absolutely bounced, looked like Beetlejuice. And <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's where our, our friendship and our, our history began all those moons ago. Um, you know, we've both been on different journeys. Yours has been, let's say, an incredible roller coaster in front of a lot more people than mine. So tell us really about, let's go for the pinnacle. Let's start off with the very height of how proud you feel, like your, your, your greatest achievement. I think, um, I don't think, I know what it is. Um, it's a bittersweet memory in many ways, but going to the Olympic Games in Rio, um, yeah. you just, I mean, in my opinion, like you can't top that in terms of it's it's something, it's right at the pinnacle of sport. Um, and I think, I think the fact that 
it came around so quickly. So rugby, as, as you know, well, female rugby had never been in it, but men's rugby hadn't been in it for years. Um, I think they had a kind of, yeah, nothing that we can remember. So suddenly rugby was in the Olympics, sevens that I was playing and I was loving. Um, and it created, not only was it just the Olympics, but it actually, it was a huge momentum push in female sport and it, it enabled us to become professional athletes, which is something that I just never envisaged, never imagined. I've always played rugby because I love it. I did it alongside studying. So I was studying at the time I was at Bath Uni and, and we kind of just went for camps, kind of a camp attached to a tournament. Off we went, bit of a jolly. Um, obviously taking it serious when we were there, but um, suddenly we were in, um, got offered these contracts being full-time professional athlete. So you can imagine it wasn't, it's not just the excitement of the build-up for Rio, but we were doing this as a job. We we're doing what we love. And don't get me wrong, it was really blimmin' tough sometimes. You want to cry, and I'm sure there's many tears actually on the pitch, be it from not being able to run anymore, just damn frustration of kind of if you're having a bad day. But the highs massively make up for those kind of negative times or times that you struggled. And then to culminate the the year of being professional athlete into an Olymp or two years being going to Olympic Games, getting the nod. And I was I was lucky because I kind of. I found form at the right time. I was just loving playing rugby as kind of playing lots and lots of minutes and just went in with so much confidence. Um, and obviously, as you know, Charlie, we came fourth. Um, so it's a, it, that's the bittersweet yeah. part. It's, it's we'll a really tough place to come. Yeah, looking back on it, I think like just everything that encompasses the Olympics, exactly how kind of you expect and more. Um, Team GB especially, they, they put so much effort into making it such an incredible experience for you. There's places outside the Olympic Village that are dedicated for families. So there's this British house, which is this amazing building. It's a courtyard in the middle and you looked up to the courtyard and you saw Christ the Redeemer. And this is a place where you wow. could meet, meet your families. <laughs> and it was just mental. So you'd go on the, they had a coach that led you there. You'd jump on the coach, meet your family in this incredible building. There was food, like like buffet food for the families obviously we have to be careful um but yeah just i think everything wow. around it and then of course the actual the games themselves and kind of pinching yourself still four so years later five years later <laughs> you're standing there looking up at christ the redeemer while we're all got you know the olympics on at home what what do you think took it for you to get to that point to to enjoy that moment like compared to to anyone else that just took up rugby and just fancied it because you didn't set out to be professional you just set out to enjoy it like most people do but but what was it that separated you that, that got you there do you think i think it, i am um, i had i wouldn't say i had setbacks but i had like challenges as we all do in sport and i think you you realize early on with um with these kind of challenges what you actually want and although as you said although i never went out to be a professional player it's because I never thought there was the opportunity to be a professional player. So as soon as there was that opportunity, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. That's so so I, don't, I don't think it's like, I think it's more like my, I'm damn competitive and I, I love doing it. And um, I knew that I had something. I knew that I was decent at something. And yeah. it, it, as, you all, as you all know, if you know you're good at something, then you're going to push harder for it. And if you're enjoying it at the same time, you're going to keep going. And mm -hmm. I realised that my only my only kind of like obstruction was myself and I was going to just put my head down, work hard and kind of prove a point. Oh man, there's just, there's like, 
of all the podcasts to start off with it, having someone <laughs> literally open up saying, I was just chilling in the middle of Brazil and like had an epiphany. I'd wait. <laughs> That's like such a cool way to start off. Like, I'm, I'm super excited to, to hear that. But, like it really is the, the perfect balance of an intrinsic desire to achieve, to enjoy, to keep going. But then all of a sudden the fact that the Olympics becomes available, there's professional contracts. It's like, it's the perfect match of extrinsic motivation. Like I, if I do play well, I might be able to achieve this greatness, which is resembled at, you know, representing Great Britain, but also I still just want to be the best player I can be. I still want to be a part of a team. I still want to keep improving. So, wow. You know, that's, that's as opening stories <laughs> go, I'm not really going to, you know, <laughs> I know gonna, you've got some incredible people, you know, so I'm excited. Well, that's cool. Like, I've got a few people up the sleeve, but, you know, knowing you for so long and to see you succeed, it you get this sense of warmth. You're like, yeah, I've, I've, I was there when you were on crutches. Like, I played a sevens tournament, you know, just mm-hmm. a tough local charity game that I could play in and you couldn't because you were injured. And a year later, you said, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I'm coming back. And you played the year after. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've seen you through those those. those small hiccups and, and injuries and setbacks, but you still you still made it all the way. So <laughs> when you found out about Japan being delayed? <laughs> <laughs> it just, I mean, lockdown started badly for me. Um, we were, I feel, I felt like after, and I'm sure we'll go on to like a few ups and downs in my career, um, the start of the year, I, I was playing good rugby again. I, I was really getting on with Charlie, our head coach at the time, and just was kind of finding my mojo, as it were. I hate that expression, but kind of, kind of had evolved my game a bit. I'm older now, and there's some different kind of athletes coming in, so kind of was finding my groove again, really loving it. Then obviously COVID happened, but it was actually is a is a weird one. So it was on. We went into training on the Monday. I got a call from my dad after training. Because, like, your grandma's really ill. She's in hospital. Um, I don't think she's going to last much longer. Can you get down here? Um, and, look, my, my gran, she, um, times 98, she's, she's, wow. an, she's had incredible innings. And, um, but, obviously, like, I was really, she, she spent a lot of my childhood when mum and dad were working. My grandma would look after me. It was really close to us. So I was, like, 100% message Charlie being like, look, I've taken all my training stuff down with me. So, um so I can get to training in the morning I just needed to go down tonight but obviously I want to give you the heads up and Charlie being Charlie he's like look there's more to life than rugby um like you you do what you need to this is family time we're here for you and I was like really appreciative but the irony is that I got down there and then like we got a call from Simon Amor who at the time leading the program being like we're off Covid's begun. That was when we went started off training. We heard rumours. We're like, nah, it's not going to happen to us. <laughs> like, because at the time we didn't know, did we? Um, so I managed to. It kind of, it kind of helped me at first in a way because it meant that I had two weeks of. It's because my grandby, my grand held on for a long time, and what we thought was going to be one night ended up being two, three weeks. So in fact, initially it helped me and they enabled me to to spend that precious time there for my gran and be there for my dad because my gran actually lived my dad had converted the whole top of his house for my gran to live in so wow. uh, it's also like he was on his own without her and so got to spend that time and it was just after she put I think it was literally two days before she passed that that really strict lockdown came in um so I, I think the last yeah the last couple of days dad and I were like trying to get into hospital and they were you could just 
feel like the tension building as COVID happened. So I've kind of, it's, and, and then my grand passed away. And although, as I said, she had a great, amazing innings, obviously, don't start off a lockdown in the best, in the best way. Um, and then initially we thought the Olympics were still going to have happen. So we had that motivation. We kept training, had loads of Zoom calls and it was, it was really good. It was a really positive feel still. As these weeks kept ticking by, we were kind of like, although we got nothing confirmed, the likelihood of it and, and anything happening in the summer, we realised it was going to be very slim. And then, yeah, and then it hits you and you're like, okay, what am I training for now? I don't know. Like you have this year and obviously the build up in that, that year for the Olympics is huge and you've got so much um, excitement building and suddenly that's it's it's all crashed down you're like athletes need an and an, an, need an end goal that's what they're training for like they need that motivation and I've always you know me Charlie I've always loved training like I love yeah. putting myself in a hole not quite as extreme as as your holes with your, <laughs> your stuff but seven <laughs> seven's obviously about that it's about getting yourself into that really hard dark place and basically keeping your legs going keep that mental strength while you're still under enormous fatigue and um and I was like I don't like where's my motivation I've never felt like this I didn't know what to do with myself I got up wanting to train but then I was like yeah but what am I training for then the same sessions like uh, what am I peaking for how long am I going to peak for when do I get my deload nothing was clear and it's through nobody's fault our strength conditioning coach did a good job but he didn't know any more than we did we're like, when are we going back into training? And then it kept going like that until, I mean, the chat started. It was like, the RFU's in bad financial trouble. What's going on? So this kept going and all of these whispers going round. And then come the end of August, no programme at all. And we're all just sitting there like, what has the last six months been about? Like, I mean, we're very right. fortunate we were furloughed, but so we, we managed to like keep the mortgage paid and everything. But then suddenly Maybe. we're like, well, yeah. When you say no program, just summarise really what that means for for someone listening in that hasn't been putting in those hours, that's not been in the room. What does exactly what does no program mean to you, and what did it what you know to what nth degree did it impact you? I think so. From the outside, I know a lot of people see our lives as extremely glamorous. We're travelling the world. We're playing sevens. It, it is. It's don't get me wrong. It's it's the dream job. I absolutely love it. Um. But it's not quite that easy. Like we have, we have a dress code every day. We have an exact time that we're going to go in, and our day is planned hour by hour, minute by minute. Everything is planned from the session um, to every single final detail. We like organisation. We like structure. That's how we work. That's how we push through. We don't, especially the women's program at the time, don't earn a huge amount of money at all. Like and I never ever would do it for the money but I mean it's it's not it's not glamorous in that sense again you kind of see professional athlete you assume that they're on on the big bucks and living the mm. life um, and it, it's not like that so we've suddenly gone from not a lot to nothing and I have to decide what to wear each day <laughs> no, <laughs> but I have to um it's suddenly I'm, I'm used to having this like extreme routine and suddenly I'm now like left with nothing but the issue the thing that I struggled with the most and I struggled with when I was dropped before which again we'll go on to but is the fact that the Olympics is still happening it's just a year later so therefore it's not like I just move on with my life I'm not just gonna go and get a desk job nine to five I still want to go to the Olympics I want to train as hard as I can I want to be the best version of me 
but at the same time I'm feeling so unmotivated I've lost that kind of mojo that we mentioned before I'm like what do I do now like literally mm. you're just kind of looking in front of you and I, I did an interview the other day actually for the rugby journal and it was it was a similar sense because it was when all that kind of um um, uproar about what the government said about people in the entertainment industry in terms of just retraining. And it's like, well, well, no, you you train, you dedicate your whole life to this. There's there's things that you're not able to do as an athlete that you don't think twice about because you've got an incredible life and you've got an opportunity to compete at the top level. But you don't just retrain and you can't just pop into into um, an office and be like, oh yeah, can I have a job? I mean. I'm fortunate enough to have like an engineering degree, so I've got something to fall back on. But at the same time, I don't want to go into an engineering job. Um, one, I'd have to, I, I graduated in 2015, so I'd have to catch up a lot. I'd start at the bottom, but I'd be working in, like we said, at least a nine to five, if not, you never know, like a, in long hours, hours getting longer and longer, mm. not able to train properly and still wanting to get to this Olympics. So I'm kind of thinking, how can I live the lifestyle that I want and still pay for the roof that's in my head? Don't let uh, my payments, uh, I've got to make, I've got to pay my mortgage, I've got to pay my bills, I've got to do that. Um, and got then, so that, that, yeah, God, that's, that's a big <laughs> ask. Um, <laughs> Bloke's going to eat yeah. a lot. <laughs> you, you suddenly get into this, this like conundrum in front of you. You're like, you're not ready to move on. I'm not ready to retire. I can't just walk away from this. So that's kind of, it's, it's more like that. It's how, how do we find now solutions to do what we still can whilst not being a professional? Yeah. Well, we, you know, I've, I've followed your journey. I've been on some of your calls. I've been, you know, I've seen you adapt to it. So it, it is nice to see, but if you go back to your, your early days at Worthing, if you were to rock up at Worthing Rugby Club, Joe, there's your little link in, by the way. <laughs> Producer Joe, you played out Worthing. <laughs> Before we all done the injuries. Until the age of about 15, and then uh, I was still too lanky and weedy and just got absolutely <laughs> ruined by men's rugby. <laughs> Prime for a dump tackle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't, don't go to sevens. <laughs> so, so you're going to turn back up, let's say you're going to go back to Worthing next year. Not only do young girls look up for you, you know, you are in that first real prime bunch of people that were within given professional contracts. You know, the first lot of women in the country to get professional rugby contracts. You're now talking to the younger version. Not only do you just inspire them because you're on that cusp and you're that wave, what would you say to them to help them with their like mental kind of like side of like their abilities? Like if there's things they're struggling with external pressures, like I would hate, and I mean, I hate to be a youngster right now because it's so difficult. You've got these social media influences, like trying to be people that you're not just to improve to other people that you don't even know that you're having the best life. Like they're going to have all these external pressures. What would you say to them when they're just starting out on their rugby journey? That's not only going to help them to, continue their rugby journey but kind of like develop their mental strength in their game I think um it it always sounds I think a bit cliched and everything when I'm when I say this and I've always stuck to it though and it is enjoyment um I think especially as a young girl early on there are there shouldn't be any pressures in terms of you should use rugby because you enjoy it and if if you're putting too much pressure on yourself to perform then you need to take a step back and think why you're doing something 
Um, and I've learned the hard way on that as well. And I can speak from experience in the sense that like after I, after I got dropped from the sevens program, so I was dropped for at the end after the sevens world cup in the Commonwealth games year. So 2018, I ended up only being out of the program for a couple of months before I was asked back, but it kind of, when I got back into it, I took everything way too seriously. I know that sounds weird as a, as a professional athlete, but I forgot how to have fun and enjoy myself. And like, I, those words that Charlie said when I went down to see my grandma, it's more to life than rugby. I think I would used to be scared to say that because I think that people would be judging me for not being professional enough or mm. everything like that. But but no, when I, I look back on the best best years of my career were when I was completely relaxed. I just was having fun. Um, like Obviously, that as I said, there's still choices you have to make. It's not like I'm going out every week and getting and getting smashed and then turning up to training hungover of course not but i i would make the make time to to see friends i would yeah let my hair down a few times and actually enjoy those moments and then when you're more relaxed and you're enjoying something you're going to do better you're going to do well in it you're going to do better in it and so although i'm talking at a professional level it's exactly the same for these young girls or boys playing you can't you can't put too much pressure on yourself you've got to just realize why you play the game and if you don't take a step back if you're not enjoying it take a step back and see is, is it for me is it or am I just doing this because my mates are doing it because I'm my parents want me to do it maybe your, your brother or your sister has played before and you just kind of automatically got into that trend like don't be afraid to say it's not for me but equally it don't be afraid to just reevaluate things and think think about your why. think about why you're doing things and actually just just make sure that enjoyment is there and the rest will follow that's so cool that's so cool like it's inspiring it, for me to listen to to be honest i think that's because you're a little like, think, that's because you're a big girl at heart um so <laughs> so we've talked about standing in the middle of rio on top of the world uh, i think you told me about having mcdonald's with usain bolt like i've you know <laughs> behind, him, behind him in the chicken nugget queue were you following him or did he know you were there? <laughs> did you still did you still you say Bolt's chicken nuggets? Could he catch you? No, hundred percent not. I was on a I was on a moped. <laughs> I think you'd need to. Also, I don't think agility's his game, so a bit of a a goose step and a side step, and I think you've got him. There you go. His ACL would go straight away. Oh, at least that's the only thing I would have in common with Usain Bolt is our ACLs. Yeah. <laughs> ACL crew. Right, yeah, welcome. Right, everyone touch wood. Right, I don't want to do it again. So you have been to the very pinnacle. You stood in the middle of Rio and you felt on top of the world. That's fantastic. But what about when you weren't there? What about when you were the other end of the spectrum? When was, and it's, if it's hard to talk about it, then, then, then tread carefully for yourself. But I really want to get across that message of even those that are the most elite on the earth, they don't, they don't have it easy, as we can say. We, we, can, we can get jealous of their lifestyle, apparently, and, and see them in the media and be envious that they're still playing sport during COVID. But, Ames, when you were right at rock bottom, how did that feel? And what on earth did you do to claw your way out of it? So there's two two times where I've been not in a good place, and one was after I wouldn't excuse me I wouldn't say just the time after I got dropped, but the whole season I was frustrated because 
I'd come back from uh, after the Olympics. I was, I was lucky enough to be, I was kind of like the wild card for the World Cup 15 squad. So I went back into 15s um, with the opportunity to, to go and play in a World Cup. Um, had a really frustrating year. I missed the, first, I missed the autumn internationals because I, I tore my hamstring. Um, playing sevens, I was kind of like a crossover, but I was contracted to the 15s. So I knew I knew if I wanted to go to the World Cup, I had to play rugby because I hadn't played international 15 since my first World Cup, um, first World Cup, first cap in 2013. Um, I played for club, but not for a couple of years, just focused on sevens, different game, although a lot of, a lot of similarities, it's, it's very different. I was going in a new position. I'd gone from centre where I'd played before to on the wing, which people may say is not that much different, but but it is. It's got different um, different little kind of tweaks. And um and I knew I had to play, so I uh, tore my hamstring then, and then played in Six Nations, amazing, felt I was finding my groove, played another sevens tournament, tore my hamstring even worse, and was like, am I going to get back? Managed to get to World Cup squad, but just never felt like I quite got to where I needed to be. And I probably did take a bit of a knocking confidence from that, because I never really reached the potential I knew that I could, and I knew I had in me. Um, so then when I went back into sevens the following year, it was a big year again, it was a Commonwealth game, so... Again, the women have been in the Commonwealth Games. Huge opportunity, another multi um, multi sport contest, and um, one that I was hugely excited about. Gold Coast, so trip to Australia. Like, what what more can you want? And then followed by <laughs> followed by a World Cup at the end of the season in San Fran. So as I was getting, you do, Rio <laughs> Commonwealth Games, San Fran. What were we saying about jet set lifestyle and rugby? <laughs> I was jet lagged all the time though. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, hard life. Um but I, I was getting selected for tournaments, but I just wasn't, you know, I didn't have that that oomph that I had in the Olympics. Whether it be because my hamstring and not quite getting there or, or what, I'm not I'm not into I can't really put my finger on it, but whatever it was, I was I was kind of a passenger, I would say. That was what I can describe myself as. But I was playing and I and there was times where I had like glimpses of it and I was still getting selected and getting game time. So, um, again, I, f- I felt like comfortable with my position in the squad. I just knew that I could give more and knew that I wanted more. So it comes to a couple of weeks before the World Cup. So after the World Cup, it works. So we get our time off at the end of the season. So we normally get four kind of weeks in the summer where we have a bit of time at own time, still training and building up training again, but a lot lower tempo. And um, it's about to, yeah, about two weeks before the World Cup, suddenly we had these contract talks and I don't want to sound complacent because I don't think I am a complacent person. And I've always, if anything, I've always kind of underplayed my ability rather than, and it's probably my downfall is I'm not confident enough. I'm not, I'll always see another person as a threat was actually, I need to have the confidence to know what I offer. Do you think that, do you think that's something that every athlete struggles with and that's what keeps keeps them driving or is that uh, no that I don't think it is. I think you get it more in females um right. but I, I do think there are well if if there I think there are some very confident players out there um okay but it could be watching an international with me I don't know why I wasn't selected at 10 goodness <laughs> <laughs> I was probably injured. <laughs> exactly, there you go. I've never um, been dropped. <laughs> but then, yeah, well then, then we got to this contract talk two weeks before the World Cup and um, and I, they're like, sorry, we've got nothing to offer you. 
And some of the girls didn't get offered uh, sevens, but they got offered fifteens. And I was like, well, I didn't get offered anything, nothing. Um, and I was kind of thinking, like, surely there's something that's worth it in there. Surely, like, I'm not done yet. Like, I know, I know, I haven't had the best season, but I'm still going to tournaments and everything. And I was like, how how old were you at this time? Like, not just, this is uh, 2018. I'm 29 now, so you can do the maths quick. Okay, so yeah. still, still like still <laughs> massive mid, mid, mid 20s <laughs> there's still a huge amount of like career in, t- in terms of career time yeah. you're talking like five plus years like at least um so it's not that i was coming to the end of my kind of physical ability mm-hmm. yeah so and and then what kind of made it even more challenging i was then selected for the world cup so i was kind of like well you've dropped me but you've selected me for again uh, something that's seen as a pinnacle in sport and I actually after the the final whistle I've got a really I try and find the photo I've got like this quite powerful photo of me and my best mate I just started crying on the field because I was like this is the last potentially the last time I yeah. might ever put an England shirt on but then something in me knew that it wasn't going to be but at the same time that that kind of like we said before that little bit of that lack of confidence just kept kind of nagging at me yeah Yeah. saying that maybe maybe it is the last time maybe that is it maybe that's my innings done um and how did that really honestly how did that make you feel like you're you're mid mid to late 20s has worked out using my maths you are (laughs) what you think maybe not at the very very pinnacle of your performance but you're still putting in a great you know effort you know you're there you know you deserve it and they turn around and overnight you've had it ripped away from you and you're still expected to perform for your country. Mm-hmm. Wear the rose, go out, put a brave face on, put a smile on. That is like literally like the perfect metaphor for, for everything people are doing on a day-to-day basis. Hiding behind something that really they're not able to talk about, they don't know how to deal with. How did you deal with that very moment when the bombshell's been dropped? I think at first I didn't kind of it didn't sink in because um, I think I think it almost I don't know you could say helped or hindered because I just did have to go and get on with it I had to go into training the next day or or on the Monday whatever and um, I had to play in this tournament like you said I'm still there's still no doubt that I'm gonna I'm gonna put on that England shirt and I'm gonna try and perform the best of my ability it's not in my nature and I don't think it's in any of the girls nature to to kind of turn around and throw a hissy fit because of it like we're going to put our head down and we're going to do everything we can and also like to try and prove a little bit of a point like in the sense that you know this is what you're going to be missing out on (laughs) well I tried to be I think it it was more and it was an exact conundrum that I said in in COVID so it was almost like I was prepared for it with COVID it was like I knew I was sitting I remember it suddenly it suddenly sunk in and I was sitting on my kitchen floor I was home alone and I just burst into tears. My dog came up to me. You know how good animals are. Um, and he just came and, he came and sat with me. And that set me off even more. And I'm not, I'm not that emotional person unless it comes to sport. Generally, like, sport kicks me off. But I just remember sitting there and I thought, like, the thing is, the reason I'm like this is that I know this isn't me walking away. I know I've got to do something. I've got to find a way to get back in there. Um, and I was like, right, I need to go to a 15s club. I need to, I need to love, I need... And that, this is the point where I was like, I'm not enjoying rugby right now. I feel completely undervalued. I feel, I mean, there was a player that was playing ahead of me. I don't have an issue with someone playing ahead of me if they're performing better. And they were performing well. That's not the issue. But the thing that is, is 
hugely disappointing as an athlete is if you're on the bench and this player is walking because they're too tired and you're still not trusted to then go on the pitch and replace them. And that was, it was that, that season, that was how it felt. That was like, it was that undervalued. It was that I don't feel a valued, me- valued member of this squad. I know what I can offer. I really just need, I need that push from you. I need it to, I need somebody to tell me that I'm good enough and I need to tell you what, and I, I need something. And I wasn't getting that. But so I, I went to Wasps and um, Giselle Mather is the head coach who is an incredible coach. She is, she is the top, qualified female coaches coach men's premiership side she's now coaching wasp ladies she has been for the last three four years um and she's like right what do you want to do this season what do you want and i was like i want to get back into sevens she's like right we're going to do it um and i was like great someone there's someone here instantly who believes in me i didn't think at, at first she was like look we're just going to get you playing we're just going to get you enjoying rugby again and that was exactly what happened i started playing with a smile on my face i didn't play that well at first and it, it, it took time again that adjustment to 15 but i was getting there and i and i was enjoying playing i i loved the team they we were a tight group um a proper family and they made me feel good about myself again but also just we had so much fun and it was literally two months in i think if that i get a phone call from bales it's just before dubai he was the, the coach that dropped me and he was like Amy, um, we want you back. <laughs> and everything in me wanted to be like, F off, like, literally. You can say it, you can say it, tell them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's watching. Okay, beep it out. I the whole like, world every- is going to I'm telling you. He's going, he's going close. Everything in me wanted to literally be like, go away. I've literally just got my life back on track. School of Hard Knocks, they saved me as well. Again, I was... I got an opportunity to coach School of Hard Knocks. I was coaching rugby to a group of women that um, were between the ages of 19 and 60, never touched a rugby ball in my life, their life. And they, we had so much fun. Um, I also used to do the classroom sessions with them. And Jim, Jim, if you listen to this, hello, you are a legend. Um, and You're going to send it to him. He's going to listen. <laughs> He's gonna send it to him. Exactly. But we go through the classroom sessions. These people were unemployed and they were trying to find work again. So I was kind of going through this similar journey with these ladies from all different backgrounds. And I would hear their their struggles and the time they've had. And it was just inspiring to see how they were keeping smiles. Some of them had been through hell and back and they're keeping positive, keeping a smile on their face. And we were all in it together. So I used to fit in the worksheets with them. And it was like your your goals and your smart goals and everything. And I was like, get a, get a contract again. And I still had two weeks of the course left when I started to, when I, and I was, I was like, the deal is I'm going to finish the School of Hard Knocks course. I've committed to eight weeks. And this is when I was with Bales. It, I was like, it's in Twickenham, so it'll take me 10 minutes after. So I can, there's two days a week where I'll only be able to come for the afternoons. But otherwise, you've got my commitment. 100% of course, I want to play for England again. Or much as I'm going to want to tell you to, to piss off, actually, you know that I'm going to be straight back there and the opportunity to go to Dubai Classic as well. Classic ex-boyfriend. Like, <laughs> I've made a big mistake. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and I remember like Jim coming around the worksheets and everyone was going back on their goals and looking at them and I'd put this contract and he just put a big fat tick on it and I was like, yes, <laughs> I've done it. Um, so yeah, I got, got offered a contract and went to Dubai. So also I'd, I'd been to Dubai I got I had my first World Series in Dubai in 2013, and I was I'd got in my head that, that I'm going to break the chain because I'd been to everyone since, and then suddenly I was on the plane there again, 
Um, so, so far, I haven't missed a Dubai that's been on. Obviously, this year it wasn't uh, postponed, but um, yeah. Let me just Rio, San Fran, Dubai. <laughs> oh, don't we can go on for a while. Um, no, I can't, I forgot what we're even talking about now, but um, <laughs> that's okay. Oh, yeah, how we dealt with, uh, dealt with them. Um, so, yeah, for me, that, that one was um, like a rugby disappointment. So, it was more like, as I said, finding that enjoyment, which I did. And when I went back in, I um I was a different person and I but again then the lesson was to then not take life too seriously and that's what I learned. Um now if I summarise what you what you said, you, you say it was a rugby disappointment, but the truth of the matter is it's redundancy. It doesn't matter whether it's mm-hmm. it's rugby, you work in manufacturing, you work down at Tesco's. If that company for whatever reason, whether it's financial base, whatever, and they don't need you. These people are all around the country, especially right now. More people are going to go through redundancy in the next 18 months than probably ever before in this country. Mm-hmm. Like, and you've been through that and you turn around and said, oh, I'm not going to just sit on my ass. I might for a little bit. I might cry in the kitchen, but that's okay too. I'm going to go out and work out what is right for me, what I need to achieve to get myself back to where I want to be. I don't even know where I want to be right now. I just need to keep going to get there. Mm-hmm. And the learnings I've taken from listening at oh, you found an incredible leader down at Wasps who just took you under and just said, right, let's go back to basics, let's go back to enjoying it, but ask you the real critical question, where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself going? What's your goal? And you just went, yeah, I, I want to make up for lost time. I want to go back into it. I, want to, I don't want to sit around in this lull that I'm in. I want to be actively working towards getting back where I want to be. So that's one community with a leader that's just gone, right, let's call, cool, let's work towards that. You're back playing team membership, you start learning again. And then if you look at it from another thing, the next community, School of Hard Knocks, like I've watched that for years growing up. Will Greenwood just running around yelling at people, <laughs> taking them to job interviews. Like I've taken a lot from that over the years, not only because I enjoy watching the rugby side of it, but I love getting inspiration from other stories. People are homeless, people are jobless, drug addicts, you know, all these incredible stories we don't hear about unless you're watching the certain programs now incorporated into rugby taken through mm-hmm. a journey and then you got to do that you got to help inspire other people but they didn't realize that they were inspiring you too so mm-hmm. what i'm trying to say is like helping other people like at the moment one thing i've found in the past 12 months doing what i'm doing helping other people in the smallest way helps me it gives me a reason to wake up like another reason that i enjoy some of the exercise some of the stupid things that i've been doing like and it's just it's so cool to hear it on a completely different much larger broader spectrum than than just one man on his instagram like it's so Mm -hmm. much cool i also think as as well that i mentioned a lot about feeling valued and i can guarantee that there's going to be people listening to this now in in jobs that they should be able to enjoy but they're not feeling valued too many times and i'm really passionate about this we we live in a disposable world um, which creates this complete undervalue of people. Like they tr- people are treated as objects, especially in these kind of big office corporate jobs, is that if you're not doing the job well enough, there's no investment into the person. There's no investment into making them better. It's a, well, I'm going to get rid of them and get another person. Whereas actually, if you make somebody feel v- valued and unlock their potential, that's when you see a real person, the real side of things. And I think, especially over lockdown, people are realising what industries and what, corporations are better at doing this than others because you see either people falling flat on their face and hitting that rock bottom in terms of maybe they've been made redundant or anything or you've seen companies diversify and really invest in their employees and make sure that they can work from home they give them everything they need and give them that value and I think 
if you're here listening to this and this resonates with you, have a tough conversation because if you're not feeling valued and they're not going to change that, then you're probably not in the right place and be brave and do it because you only live once and you have got to make the most of it. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love, literally, I don't need to say anything on this podcast and people are going to listen to me. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, <laughs> I just need I might just give you the access code now. You can run the podcast from <laughs> no, now. You're, you're literally here, not just to look good, you're the technical dude. I'll leave that to you. Like, you're fine. Um, no, that's awesome. Right. Amy, I've got a few other questions for you. Are you okay. ready? <sighs> Where are they now? It's Let not the Al Capone one, is it? No. no. <laughs> Al, Al Capone, I think you mean Al Pacino. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> Al Capone would be a much better thing. No, we'll, we'll go for that in a minute. Oh, gosh. Right, no, don't be silly. It's not, it's not, it's not that bad at all. Firstly, what would you say to your younger you now? Go. Mm, I hate these questions. Usually give I know you questions. do. I know you do. That's why I've asked you. I'm glad be I didn't put a Be confident. Be confident. Strong. I've underselled myself for so, so long. And you've got to realise your worth as a person. It's not being arrogant. It's understanding what you can offer. I still think that I fluked my degree. I went to flipping Bath University and got a 2-1 in engineering. You can't flipping and I did that being a year as a professional athlete and this is the trouble you get into this conundrum of feeling like you're being arrogant and I, I honestly was like oh they were just kind to me they gave me a bed because they knew I was busy they knew I was juggling everything I don't I was like maybe I sweet talked them and they gave me a better degree than I should have done be confident in what you've achieved the proof is in the hard work you're not being arrogant um and you don't have to you don't have to shout about it, but you need to tell yourself in your own head that you are good enough. If if you are, you've got to be realistic sometimes. Sometimes you do have to say, look, I need to go away and work. But if you put in the hard work and you put in the effort, be confident that you have the ability. And I think, as I said, I've underselled myself for so long. I still do it now. It's still a constant battle. Um but I think especially in my younger days, I probably could have got further, maybe would have got further quicker if I just was like, you know, you are good enough, Amy, and you're going to prove, like, instead of just taking, taking, oh, I don't know, because I, do, I did rise to challenges when I, got, when I got told that I wasn't, but at the same time, would I have got there quicker? Probably if I'd just been like, it wouldn't have even come to that situation if I just had the confidence in the first place. Cool. Right. So, so it sounds like classic imposter syndrome, isn't it? It's, you know, you're, you're making strides in your career or as an athlete or whatever it may be, and you get to a point and you're like, hang on, am I just faking this? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally, literally. And I still, I still do it now. And I'm like, for goodness sake, like someone would have seen through me by now, surely. <laughs> yeah, I learned how to do everything from Google and YouTube. Does that make you think? I'm confused. I could have done it myself. No, that's cool. Like being confident. I think, I think that's such a crucial message right now. Like it, it's, it's hard to be confident because there's just so many variables now. Like when we were growing up, there wasn't like internet dating that you had to, someone to swipe right or left to there wasn't social media someone you want you want a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand likes or a hundred followers like so if you can be confident within yourself and trust in what you're doing then yeah like that's that's such a cool message for the younger you right i'm gonna move swiftly on woodpecker will you do a challenge for 25 hours no <laughs> <laughs> 
25 hours I'm sure well, I'm, just I... gonna, I'm comparing you with Johnny yeah <laughs> so, so you're one of your new things you're doing we can we'll briefly touch on that because uh, I think it's awesome I've been you know you invited me on absolutely love doing your morning class with you so let's touch on that quickly um, and then we can talk about his challenge and we'll we'll go on to the challenges all things fitness after so um, go on tell us all about the, you know you, you go <laughs> Tell us what kind of platform it is. Tell us how it's helped you as well, because I know by having a distraction like that and, and helping other programs for people, how that's helped you over the past couple of months. I think it was definitely one of those things that came along at the right time and I jumped completely jumped on board with it. So Jono, um, was, he used to be the South African Women's Strength Conditioning Coach and he branched off from South African Rugby a few years ago and it was kind of getting to that point where I was like, okay, I really need to find something like, like substantial to pay my mortgage because at the moment I'm relying on little bits here and there. There's just not enough. And I put so much pressure on you as a living. So I look, we've got this amazing platform. We started in lockdown, basically doing these virtual hit lit or whatever classes um, every morning for, for people to um, get on board with. They can do them from the comfort of their own home. You, have a certain amount for free then it's pay a subscription etc etc boomed in south africa over lockdown we want to branch up to the uk we've got a lot of uk like expats be it or just some members just of english people that have just switched on to it they want to set up a completely different platform we'd love you to to kind of head it up over there and i was like well at the moment i am doing what i get up i train and i look around for some ideas and then that's it so it's like a perfect opportunity to not only get that routine back in my life but do something i love it's active and it's this whole thing about community and help, as you said charlie like helping people in these tough times to get through it and doing it together because there was times in lockdown i felt so isolated i got into a really really horrible place and i felt completely alone and i was like i don't want anyone to feel like that and this is a perfect tool if we can spread it um, in the UK to really make sure that people know that they're not alone and we can be this virtual community and we do it by getting fit, getting active and living a healthy lifestyle. Um, and it just, yeah, it's, it's added a routine in my life. It gives me four extra sessions a week to do as well. Sometimes I get Charlie involved um, and you can see, I just can move here, see my banner. <laughs> Jeff is little, the new, in the Jeff life. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like four mornings a week and they're doing, but it's so much more than just the four mornings a week. As I said, it's the WhatsApp group is part of an incredible community and helping people through what is an extremely tough time. So if, if for the people that are going to be at home right now listening to this, how would they go about getting involved? What do they type into Google? How do they, how do they get, get, get involved with that? So multiple platforms, but the main one is Facebook because we like that interaction. So we run it, we stream it live through Facebook. You search Jeff, J-E-F-F, UK, um, Jeff Together, sorry, UK on Facebook. And that will bring up the UK page and you become a member. And all of my classes are free. But if you want to experience like the whole package and it's up to 50 classes a week, it's literally nine pounds fifty a month, which if you compare that to a gym membership, it's nothing. But you're also a part nice. of a community mm. so and they're, they're t tough i mean there's there's if you um i try and make my classes so obviously obviously they cater for everyone but if you're incredibly fit you'll get just as much of a demand as you would if you were not so fit and starting your fitness journey so it is a it's a good way and people comment in and you get regulars so it's really nice i like can tune into people that join all my classes see how they're doing 
Um, so it's great. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Greg. Yeah. Greg was there this morning. Greg <laughs> yeah, and Chris. An absolute legend. So what I really liked about your platform separate, you know, I've done hundreds of different workouts through lockdown. Some I've written myself, some from the community. What I liked about yours is it wasn't just let's get together, let's have a workout, let's let's talk about it. Like you woke up, you get people having a coffee beforehand, you have that ten minutes kind of that interaction so you understand the people that you're giving exercises to. You create that bond and that trust and that friendship. But if someone didn't fancy a workout that morning, they could still log on and have coffee mm-hmm. and see you guys go, you know yeah. what? I'm not fancying it, but I'll have coffee with you. And Definitely. Especially, especially in a lockdown, having a coffee with a group of people or uh, another individual, that interaction, you can't replace that right now. Like It's so crucial. So when I came on and did that, one of the things I was absolutely blown away just by not even the comments during the workout, but it was just like, right, how's everyone's day? How's everyone's morning? And people generally cared about you. And that I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, and I do I do have a group of people that I know don't do the sessions or they do the sessions later, but they tune in for the chat. So maybe they're about to take, I mean, when kids are at school, they maybe would take their kids at school so you didn't have time to do the workout there and then, but it would be like, hi, Ames, just tuning in to say hello, how are you doing? And it is, and it and I say to the, the guys all the time who do my classes, it's not, it's easy to see the instructor and think of them as a different person, but it, it's the same for me. It's like, I love getting up and talking to these people, like, I'm getting up at quarter to six but I'm excited about it and whenever I finish I've got a smile on my face and I've loved what I've just done so it's they've helped again it's like like with School of Hard Knocks these guys at Jeff have helped me just as much as hopefully I can help them yeah, so that's amazing that's awesome that is, no I keep repeating myself because everything you keep saying just is, <laughs> is spot on. It's, it's just nice to hear the message not come out of my you know I keep saying it to other people but one of the most beautiful things from today has just been the real sense of how important community is mm-hmm. amy you were saying earlier about um last year when your coach was speaking to you and he said um there's more to life than rugby and i there's very few times in my life that i haven't had that real family community aspect than I have done with playing rugby. Mm-hmm. And whether that be work, you know, I'm, I'm there 40 hours a week and then they just say, wave goodbye on a Friday mm-hmm. and work's more important than home life. And what you get from from rugby is just a community like no other. And I think it's so important, whether it be rugby or football, any sport, or even if you don't play sport, that you find that community mm-hmm. of people that you can rely on, whether it's at 6.15 in the morning on, uh, <laughs> or, or whether it's like me waking up at 8. <laughs> in the um, afternoon. The, in the afternoon, yeah. Live, just so you know. <laughs> so, you know, moving on, I mean, we, we keep talking about community. I think that's one of the, the key aspects about why, you know, I created Woodpecker Wad was like, I know so many different communities, um, certain gyms all around the, the, the UK that I've been using and, and love using, different rugby clubs, different hobbies like skateboarding. Like, I didn't want to be the, the spearhead or forefront of it. I just wanted to, to let people know that it's okay to talk about some of the dark times. It's cool to plan some exciting things. And, and if I can do a mad challenge that gets people talking or changes the way people wake up and feel, then that's absolutely awesome. So... With this next one, Amy, are you going to lace up and come for a run with me? 
Watch your split time. <laughs> I only, only in the think I can win that. that. <laughs> right, okay. So if I let you in and I'm going to say I'm going to let you in. <laughs> <laughs> so which part are you going to do? You're going to do the first half marathon, the last half marathon, or you're going to you're going to do a strong woman event? <laughs> you know, I only do like 200 meters at a time, max. <laughs> it, Amy, if you're there for the last 200, I'll take it. But Charlie, it I would love to. <laughs> That's I would awesome. love so, to be involved. So for the those that don't know and are listening in, um, as I'm addressing the, the camera and the microphone now, I've set a challenge at the end of July. I will be doing a half marathon. In the morning, first thing, taking part in Lansing Strongman competition during the day, and then I'll be finalising with a half marathon to finish. Now, it's pretty ludicrous, but we've all had tougher challenges in life, I'd say. Um, so it's going to be a massive campaign. It's about teaching people that collectively we are strong. Um, so that is going to kick off quite soon, and I should really start running a bit more. But So Amy, if you're going to be there, I'd love you to be there. If you're not, which I will kick your ass if you're not, I need you now to give me your biggest Al Pacino any given Sunday speech, inch by inch, like minute by minute play. I'm going to get every one of my podcasts to give me their, their, you can either address it to me as an individual because you've known me for years, or you can just give me like, I need you to keep running, like blah, blah, blah. whatever it is you want to do. The show is yours now, whether it's 10 seconds or a minute, give you your best impression because then what producer Joe is going to do is he's going to take all of these clips and when I'm suffering from cramp, my hamstring's gone, I've failed a deadlift and I've still got to run 13 and a half miles, I've probably just had a can of Red Bull and a banana, I'm putting the headphones on that will look something like this. I might have a few people running with me, but if I can collectively get an awesome story from people on the podcast to just say, this is it. I, I literally want you to go and give me your Al Pacino speech now. Go on, go. To be honest, I have had practice because in my one minute or 30 seconds over and above, this is basically what they do at the end of Jeff. <laughs> so are you ready? Okay, go. Oh, mate, give me spine tingling. Go. Oh, God. No, no you put too much pressure on me now. <laughs> we'll look the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Mears. You are going to keep going. You're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, one by one. You did not do this to give up. You know that your body has got more. You know that you're not going to give up because if you give up, you're not only letting yourself down, but you're letting others down that you have promised to do this for. You're doing this for a big reason. There's a big picture involved. You're creating awareness. You're helping communities. You're helping individuals. And if you dare give up, you're giving up for them, not just for you. So, it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful, but you're going to put one foot in front of the other. And we are all going to be there with you. We're going to be there behind you and you are going to keep going till the very, very end. And do you know what? When you finish, you are going to feel so fucking good because you have not given up <laughs> and you are going to do it. And you're going to keep going for everybody that Wad, Woodpecker Wad is all about. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait there, wait there. Mike drop <laughs> amy that was absolutely awesome right now we've just got to see what other people come up with because i might just have to It'll stick that on repeat <laughs> It'll be a lot better, i'm sure yeah. we'll print that as a script next time i think <laughs> yeah i'm i'm sure some people are going to blow me away some people are going to stumble and be putting like rabbit in the headlights like i guess that's what it's about but you know coming from you coming from someone that i've known for so long just 
if I stick it on repeat and just run it, I'm sure I'd be okay. But <laughs> there are, you know, when you're training some some of these long events, and or even when you're participating in them, you get lost in your mind. You 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 travel on a you're literally not only are you traveling in a journey, whether it's across a nine hour period of an exercise or three exercises, whatever it is, or 2,200 silly burpees, your mind goes on this journey. And if you can use things you recognize to kind of rein you back into either why you started, why you're doing it, like, and people that inspire you, like, that's, that just keeps you that grounded and that focus. And it stops you thinking those negative thoughts, like, the cramp I'm going through now is too much. I haven't eaten the right things. I should have eaten more last night. I should have trained harder. Like, if you can stay away from those negative thoughts and use, the people and community around you to focus you'll get through any of those events like there's none of the events i've done none of the events i've done this year or last year now should we say there's no one pretty much anyone could have done them literally anyone yeah i think there's an incredible guy again i'm going back to jeff but a guy called darren thomas who's just started doing um doing the jeff um he's training john on fridays and he's um got no no legs he's just upper body um, and he's always like flip the switch and he's like your mind can always your mind's the bit that's stopping you your body can always give 40% more than you think you can but I also as you said along that if you keep those whys and you keep the reason you're doing something in your head it's so important because I think it's easy and this is me as an athlete who trains every day for a purpose and I know it's easy to have a purpose when you're an athlete but I always say to the people training with me it's like you're it, all here for a reason keep that in the back of your head because we all have doubts i'll be running and i'll be like oh i think my knee hurts a bit i might do one rep less but you know what i flip it around and i'm like why am i doing it no my knee doesn't hurt you're just being an absolute pansy you're going to keep going you're going to keep pushing through because you want to get to the olympics and it's 100 percent that it's keeping those negative thoughts and just keeping that focus on why you're doing something because everyone has a reason as to why oh, see can we joke can we edit that bit in as well <laughs> thanks man I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah see you know it's it's been awesome uh, you know chatting about all all, all things struggles and I, I want to end on a high I really do because mm. I think it, it's crucial that as much as the metaphor is it you know Amy your career and your life has been on a roller coaster the past months and myself I've I've had some pretty highs and some some pretty lows too Joe, we talked about it the other week, actually, you opened up as well, man. So what would you say to someone now to help them find their trigger, Amy? Well, you know, would you recommend? For me, I recommend, obviously, going out and speaking to, to friends because that's how eventually that, that helped me. I mean, I was lucky. Like, mm -hmm. Kerry was my trigger. There's no two ways about it. My, my beautiful fiance should have been wife by now, but unfortunately, COVID and all that, blah, blah. Now, she was my trigger. One day she looked at me, she came out to the car and I just knew I needed to seek help. She didn't realize what she was doing. I was just lucky. But if you haven't found your trigger and you're still waiting and you're in that gutter, what would you say to someone, Amy, to tell them to hold on and just keep fighting? It's so tough because when you're in that place, you, you do feel so alone and it is a horrible, horrible place to be. But you need to reach out to people you really do and it's so it, you have to be so bloody brave to do it and I, and I didn't for a long time you didn't Charlie for a long time and we potentially could have got out of 
a dark situation a lot quicker if we've just been brave and we just opened our mouth and talked to people because you have got people around you that care. You don't have to speak to everyone. And actually, the people that you perceive as being your closest sometimes aren't the best people to speak to. Like, it's not always necessary. You may need someone that you can just trust to just just talk and someone who you know that's just going to listen, not trying to give you advice, not give you any... You don't want someone bullshitting you and coming up to you telling you like oh yeah I've I felt like that too because everyone's unique what I felt when I'm low is completely different to how Charlie felt um and and everyone has a unique story but pick carefully about who you're speaking to but what I as I said in in lockdown I got to a really dark place and I I have huge regrets now that I didn't reach out sooner and I didn't reach out to the amazing communities that I do have whether it be part of a sports team whether it be a part of a, a fitness group whatever it is reach out to these small small little communities that you've had because people are there to help you um and honestly like you shouldn't be feeling the way you are if you're feeling down like it's not right you've got a whole life ahead of you that is full of exciting opportunities and you've got to be brave we've got you do it <laughs> <laughs> love that awesome amy that is that is just unreal but i think that's such a, a positive way to to end because it is such an important message. So thank you. Keep chipping.